Welcome to One Stop Shop, a weekly podcast that helps ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs learn from the best. Brought to you by Conversio. To learn more about managing all of your tools, channels, and strategies from one dashboard, visit Conversio.com. On today's episode, prepare to revolutionize the way you're doing email marketing with thoughts from Austin Bronner. Today's guest is the founder and host of the e-commerce influence podcast, Austin Broner. Austin wants you to stop thinking like an online product salesman and start acting like a business owner. In this episode, he explains how to access hidden profits and retain customers by sending smarter, more profitable emails. Hey, Austin, tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do. Sure. So my name is Austin Bronner. Um, I am the host of the e-commerce influence podcast, uh, where we talk about kind of advanced traffic and conversion strategies. I also have a business called uh, Brand Growth Experts, where we help e-commerce retailers build more profitable and more scalable businesses. Yeah, I've been hosting this podcast, talking about e-commerce marketing for a long time. It's my passion. And I've yeah launched, I had an agency for a while, and I changed that into Brand Growth Experts, where i uh, I bring in some really quality brands, direct-to-consumer brands, and help them build out smarter, more profitable emails. Cool. All right. So if you've been listening at all through this season, you know, we've been focusing a lot on lead generation, getting new traffic, new customers, that type of thing. And in this episode in particular, we wanted to focus on what you just mentioned, specifically how to craft emails differently so you can hit each customer um, with a with life cycle is kind of the, the term we've used. So first of all, what does this mean in plain English? What does life cycle mean? Yeah, like it, when we say like you're going to teach us about email life cycles or customer life cycles, what does that actually mean? Sure. So every customer, yourself included, if you're buying anything, has a life cycle. A life cycle means from basically discovery of a product or discovery of a brand to the last time that they do business with the brand, right? And as as a customer progresses from initially discovering something, let's say uh, swell water bottles, if you guys are familiar with swell water bottles. Mm-hmm. I think I first saw swell water bottles, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And first kind of became familiar with the, with the brand, knew what they were. That's like the beginning of the life cycle, right? Discovered it. I think it was, I think I saw somebody else's or saw an ad for it. Um, then I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I bought one. So I moved from just kind of knowing what the brand was about to making a first purchase. It worked pretty well. So I ended up actually for my last workshop, I ended up buying like 25 swell water bottles. So as my, as I continued down the life cycle, I went from discovery to making a first purchase. Then I was like, these are really awesome. And I ended up buying 15 of them. So I was like one of their bigger customers at the time, you know, somebody who's spending more. And then I had a bunch of swell water bottles. And when you have a lot of swell water bottles, you're typically not going to buy a lot more, <laughs> many more swell water bottles because you don't need that many water bottles. So you've kind of maxed out. And then at that point, you know, I need a, a much larger incentive to buy a swell water bottle at this point because I have quite a few of them. So my life cycle basically went from discovery to um, buying one to a time when I was most likely to buy more, right? And then at that point, I bought like 15. And then at that point, I kind of maxed out my swell water bottle inventory. And so I'm now at that point less likely to buy more. So now it's kind of down the churning. I'm churning as a customer because I'm probably not going to buy anymore at this point. And that is a customer life cycle. And you could have total, uh, uh, there's every single business is a different, different customer life cycle. If you're buying a Mercedes Benz, 
you know, that life cycle much might be much longer because you buy the car, you run it for 10 years, and then you buy another one, but you're still within that same, same life cycle. If you're buying socks, it could be much shorter because you buy them or you discover them, you like them, you buy a pair, they wear out, you need to buy more. So that is a customer life cycle. And that's um, really the idea of life cycle marketing is identifying where people are within that life cycle and then giving them targeted, relevant messaging that influences uh, influences their purchasing behavior and makes it basically the whole goal of life cycle marketing is to make it easier for people to, to make a purchase and ramp up to the point where they're you know more, more likely to make more purchases. And then also on the back end, after they've become a good customer, make it more difficult for them to churn by providing more incentives or offers when they're less likely to buy. In general or broadly speaking, are there standard phases of life cycles that you can that sort of uh, apply to different businesses industries products general phases would be in terms of e-commerce there's people who basically would be pre-purchase pre-purchase would be people who have not yet made initial purchase from a business so you think of it as that's one part of the life cycle then there's basically from initial purchase till they are basically if you think of it as like a kind of a bell curve as they go up the curve and become and are making more and more purchases there's kind of the second section of the life cycle which is the customers and as they're increasing in likelihood to make a second purchase kind of in the mid-range you're looking at people who are vip mvp type customers people who are spending more and then there's people who are churning. If you think of a life cycle as a bell curve, that's kind of the way that you would picture it. Can you give us more specifics on this, particularly what you just touched on right now? Uh, customers who are maybe first-time buyers or never buyers, or like what metrics do you use to differentiate and get clear data that you can later use in crafting different messages based on the segment that you're trying to target? Sure. So the nice thing is that segmenting within lifecycle marketing is very, very easy because let's just start with pre-purchase, for example. If you start thinking about different campaigns that you could send out to people throughout the life cycle, one of the first campaigns that you would look at would be, let's say, a browse abandonment campaign. A browse abandonment campaign would go to people who have signed up for your email list but they have not yet made a purchase. And they've also not yet added something to their cart. And so that's kind of on the, the earliest, one of the earliest parts of the life cycle. A browser management campaign, the way you would check that segment would be that you would look for people who have signed up for your email list, who have not yet added to cart, but have viewed products. You could then follow up with emails, basically send an email to them that has an image and a description of some of the products that they previously looked at but abandoned. And you're basically using that as a tool to get into their inbox with very, very relevant product information and targeted messaging that might influence them to progress further in the life cycle where they might make that first purchase. If you progress further, right, you could look at like browse abandonment being maybe one of the first type of email campaigns you would run within the lifecycle marketing grid. After that, you might look at abandoned cart recovery campaigns. That would be for people who are further in the life cycle because they've not only browsed, but they've also added something to their cart. And you would then set up a, a campaign that goes out to those people. Maybe it's, you know, initially a couple hours, send them an email, bringing them back. Maybe the next day you're following up with some sort of a 
a coupon or a discount on one of the products that they showed a high amount of interest in, but have not yet pulled the trigger. So that would be further down down the path of lifecycle marketing down the bell curve. Uh, then obviously, as you continue down there, somebody makes a purchase, you'd be then following up with them. You could There's, there's many campaigns you could run as they progress um, down that cycle. Do you think that this needs to be set all at once for all of the customers? Or in other words, should a business maybe focus on a specific segment more than another if let's say they're just starting out in business or would it be a good idea to just set up emails for all of these different life cycles regardless of the stage at which the business exists sure that's a that's a very good question so what i would recommend is it's typically the way that i think about it is that depending on how many campaigns and and where you focus your marketing efforts as a business owner you're going to have different opportunities that present themselves specifically to your business. So if you look at your your business and you say, well, there's a lot of people that are adding products to a cart. You go into Google Analytics, you start checking, and you realize there's a lot of people adding to cart, but not that not as many checking out. You've got a big percentage of people that are abandoning. Then you might want to start there with abandoned carts because there's a lot of potential revenue there. You can set up a, a campaign to help bring those people back. Uh, if you go through Google Analytics and you realize that you know, you got a really low number of people that are making repeat purchases. So maybe 10% or 5% of your customers, as low as maybe 3% of your customers are buying again. You might analyze that to be your number one opportunity to address first. One thing that pretty much everybody's going to have to address is, is where they're capturing email addresses. If there's one thing I would recommend, it's capture more emails. Emails are very, very important because unlike most of the other traffic sources, your email list is relatively toll-free. And what I mean by that is that when you're driving traffic from AdWords or from Facebook, every single time somebody clicks and goes to your site, you're paying per click. And that's variable cost, right? So the more people click, the more you pay. With email, it's not a variable cost. It actually just is directly correlated. If you were spending $300 a month on an email service provider, you can double or triple the number of emails that you send and still pay the exact same amount. So it's more of a fixed cost and you're paying much, much less every single time somebody clicks and goes back to your site. So what I would say is definitely to focus on email capture as one of the the first things you do and then go down and look at the customer life cycle and try to understand where in that life cycle you have gaps in where people are dropping off as either potential customers or customers. What are the differences between automated email marketing and traditional email marketing? So the way that I would describe it is uh, I would use kind of two different terms. One of them would be triggered email marketing, which I think is be what you're talking about with automated email marketing. I say triggered because emails basically will go out when they're triggered by certain types of events. That could be somebody browsing your website, like I mentioned with the browse abandonment campaign. Or that could be somebody adding something to their cart and abandoning. And then an email would go out and follow up with those people. It could be, you know, you can set triggered emails up to go out post-purchase. So maybe they buy a specific product and you follow up with a specific email. Those are what you'd consider automatic emails or triggered emails. And the way you typically define that. I would label them as either kind of good dog or bad dog emails. Good dog would go out to people for performing positive tasks, 
right? So this would be somebody who maybe writes a review. You might follow up with them, thanking them for the review. That's a positive indicator, and you're thanking them for what they're doing. If they're abandoning a shopping cart, that's a negative type thing, and you're sending out an email to follow up with them. Or, for example, you can send triggered emails out based on latency. Maybe somebody viewed your website a bunch, they purchased, but haven't been back for three months. Well, you might want to send an email to them based on the fact that they haven't been there in that period of time. So that's what I would consider triggered emails or automatic emails. If you're saying traditional emails, that's what most people are running are either kind of newsletter or campaigns, uh, campaign emails. And that is more of like a like a spray and pray approach, right? You're blasting out emails to everybody on your list or a segment of your list, and you're hoping that it's the right time for them to make a purchase rather than them indicating that they're interested or they're not interested or indicating something to you, you are going proactively and you're sending them, putting something in front of them, a promotion or, you know, updated products, whatever you're sending them. Those are really the differences between the two of them. And they really work together. Uh, But I think where most people don't put enough time and energy and most people are leaving money on the table is on the triggered email side because it's more complicated to build these systems into your business than it is to just spray and pray and blast out to your whole email list. I totally agree with that because we have both triggered and manual emails at Convergio. And I know from experience looking at the behavior of our users, the number of people who are usually confused with um, setting up and sending triggered emails or not sure what to do with it is much, much higher than the number of people who are confused or having some doubts about sending or triggering newsletters. Newsletters, it's easy. I just want to send a bulk message to everyone and say I have a coupon discount this Tuesday. It's a flash sale and that's it. With the triggered emails, they're not quite sure, okay, where do I get started? What do I send to whom? And how do I make sure that I don't overload people? Even though we actually have a bunch of triggered email sequences already set when you sign up so that you don't have to do the guessing and the segments are already there and everything is already set up, but people are not sure what to do sometimes with with the triggered emails. So when it comes to automated slash triggered emails, what is a sequence that you would recommend to every e-commerce store owner? Let's say someone who is not sure what to do amongst all the things that they can try today. What is one sequence, if anything, that they can try out? Okay, well, I'm gonna give you the easy one that's a short answer because most people are gonna know this. If you don't have an abandoned cart, email sequence, triggered email sequence, definitely put that in. That's going to be very high return for you. But I think most people probably have that in there. So what I would recommend besides the abandoned cart would be what I call like a buy or die sequence. So we talked about email opt-ins earlier, and I mentioned how important it is to capture emails. When I think about marketing, the biggest part of marketing is actually the product that you create, right? Because that's That is the most important thing. If you're selling, going back to the Swell water bottle example, until somebody uses one, they don't totally understand what the product is about. They can see a Facebook message. They can see whatever, a Facebook ad. They can see a video. But until they actually use it, they may not be a true fan. And so most of the marketing that that you do actually comes from the product. And so a buy or die sequence, what that does is when somebody signs up, they opt in on your email list, then you have a sequence that the only goal of that sequence is to educate and then escalate people into making a purchase. Um, I, I say educate and escalate because 
the idea of like a buy or die sequence. Sometimes people are like, well, like I don't want to be pushy. Well, it doesn't really matter if somebody's on your email list for let's say two years and doesn't make a purchase. They're not, they're not valuable to you, especially because they don't even get, get, get a chance to have your marketing at all. When I say educate and escalate, first you want to educate them about all the reasons that they should make a purchase. And then if they pass through all that and they, they learn about why they should make a purchase and they don't, then you can escalate by providing incentives to get people to make that purchase. If you're driving traffic from Facebook, you might spend $5 a click. You've already spent money. There's a sunk cost in driving people to the website. If they then show up, get on your email list, then you have your second chance that you can get them to come back and make a purchase without paying again for retargeting. So I walk people through, you know, I would say basically a five to eight email sequence where you walk people through why they like you introduce them to the company you share social proof um reasons why other people liked your product you could share top categories best sellers um, you could share relevant products to them share the brand story and at that point once they kind of familiar with what you're all about you can then escalate with something called like a discount ladder which would be an increasing um, promotion over a period of time to try to get those people who you've already paid for to make a purchase. That's what I'd recommend pretty much every single business owner install and you're going to have great results from something like that. Those are some really specific to-dos. Is there a general science or systems that you use when you write these emails for your clients? So um, like I mentioned earlier, every, everybody's life cycle is going to be, be different. The way that I would determine when emails would go out or when to run campaigns would be to go and analyze transactional data. The time between their first purchase and their second purchase, which is a really valuable indicator for when you might want to run a promotion, you can export transactional data and then analyze and find out you know, what's the typical period between first and second purchases and then maybe second and third purchases for your business. Once you find out those numbers, then you can base a lot of your campaigns off those numbers. If you know that typically somebody's going to come in and they'll make their second purchase within let's say 45 days, well then you want to make sure that you're not you're not overly promotional within those 45 days because they're they're likely going to make another purchase. Once they pass that threshold, and they're now past the average time that they would make a second purchase on their own, then it might make sense to be a little bit more promotional and bring people back because there's potential. They're, they're showing indication w- with their uh, behavior that they might be churning. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's how when you're asking about you know systems or kind of an overview of how I, how I look at this, um, it all comes down to every business is different. You have to be able to take a look. You have to be familiar with Google Analytics to have an idea of when the average period someone's going to do something is and then figure out, kind of set up campaigns that follow up with people after they pass the average time. And I know you guys, you guys have that as yeah, well. Conversio. Conversio. Yeah. I, was going, I didn't want to cut you off, but yeah, we do. We do actually have that. Uh, so for our listeners, if you're already using Conversio, just go to the left side of your menu and you'll see a page called improvements. And on there we give the number of the average 
number of days between purchases, basically. Um, so, and there it's, a, it's actually an existing sending rule in the follow-up emails so that they can automate it very easily. Exactly. And that's, and that's one of the more basic ideas of, uh, of lifecycle marketing would be to you know, follow people like that. You can then you know, find out there's so many different periods you might want to look at. How long it typically takes from someone to subscribe to your email list to make right. a purchase. You could find you know, latency of second to third purchases. Also, another really big one is analyze the 80-20 of your list. So you want to find typically uh, there's around 20% of a business's customers are usually driving around 80% of your revenue. And I, I've worked with probably 50 or 60 e-commerce businesses and ran this analysis. And it's right around that. I would say in e-commerce businesses that I've worked with, it's usually around 20% generating like 65 to 75% of the sales. Um, and so finding and identifying your top 20% of the customers and then looking within that top 20%, you'll typically find that maybe 20% of those 20%, so maybe 4% of your customers are driving around 20% of your sales. And so those people would be your, your VIP customers. And you could set up email campaigns and trigger emails based off of behavior when they become VIPs. You can follow up with them differently than other customers. That kind of makes a lot of sense, right? If you go to Nordstrom's and you're dropping a thousand dollars a week, they're gonna they're gonna look at you a little bit differently than if you come in there and you've never bought from them. What about the nitty-gritty? Do you ever recommend like a specific number of emails in a sequence or say take like a Gary Vaynerchuk like content, 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 okay, sell type approach, um, any other like more tedious recommendations in that realm? Well, I think I think one that I that I touched on a little bit, which is once you understand your latency periods and you know that people are most likely to make a purchase, let's say the second purchase in 45 days, I would say only follow up with content until people pass your threshold of when they're most likely to make a purchase. Once they pass that threshold and it looks like they might not make a second purchase, then it's okay to get promotional. But uh, I would focus on looking at your latency periods and providing content when it's just follow-up, but when people indicate that they're not going to make a second purchase, then become more promotional. Um, as far as kind of the buyer die sequence, what I mentioned earlier, you know, I would say maybe five emails and then move to sort of a discount ladder type promotional side to escalate and give people more of an incentive to make a purchase. So five educational emails and then start the promotional is what you're saying? Yeah, but again, that is also going to depend on your your business, right? Yeah. Like if, if you're selling fidget spinners, you probably don't need five emails sure. to convince people to, to make a purchase. It might be quicker to go promotional. So that, that's all going to depend a little bit on your, on your business. But that's what I would recommend. On, on the abandoned carts, you know, I like to think of one kind of mental framework that I've used to that works for different businesses is that you've got different types of people abandoning carts. There's many reasons somebody would abandon a cart, right? Maybe they add something to the cart, they're checking out and they get a phone call. They have to go in the other room. They have to go pick up their, their kid from school, whatever it is. There's lots of different distractions. Maybe they're actually abandoning the cart looking, looking for a discount. Although that's very, very rare in the whole scheme of things. It's just something that, thing that some e-commerce business owners get kind of freaked out about because you spend so much time on your own website. But there's lots of different reasons. And when you're building an abandoned cart sequence or a browse abandonment sequence, you want to think about all those different people. And you want to think about the people who are actually going to make that purchase 
but just kind of got drawn out in the other room or forgot about it, you want messaging that connects with them initially. So rather than going, I think a lot of business owners will go promotional right away. I'll usually help. I usually say, well, why don't we just be very, very helpful to those people who left and we're still going to check out and you know provide them with a phone number, a link back to their cart, just basically do like a follow-up to those people rather than going with like get 10% off your cart because those people might not need 10% off their cart. They might just need a follow-up because they got pulled out. People later on, if it's been five days or three days, maybe at that point you might want to be more aggressive and promotional with your emails because it's further down the path and it's more likely that they didn't just get pulled away, that they actually were having some trouble deciding whether or not they're going to make a purchase. How much of it do you think is last minute expense or not expenses, but yeah, last minute things, surprises at the cart, you know, when you're like processing something and check out and you see that somehow it's adding a huge number because of shipping and taxes and stuff like that, because I read somewhere, I don't remember the source and I honestly don't remember how credible the source was, but I do remember reading that a huge percentage of these cards that were abandoned were abandoned because of the final price was different, basically, from the price that was listed on the product page. Sure. No, I think shipping cost is the is almost the number one reason for abandoned carts. Uh, at least that's something I, that I've read, some things, but I don't know exactly where I read it. But yes, depending on your checkout process uh, and <laughs> if you're if you're hmm. pumping in a twenty dollar or thirty dollar shipping charge and surprising people, you're going to have a high number of abandoned carts. So yes, you, again, you have to look at your business and figure out: is there something surprising people? Is that why they're abandoning? And if shipping is the issue, then an abandoned cart recovery program that offers free shipping, if your business margins can tolerate that, can be very effective. Mm-hmm. But maybe not immediately. Maybe like you said, the first day probably. Just, hey, was there anything that you needed from us or any reason why? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then move on to the You don't want to forfeit your margins too early. You know, it's it's totally fine to be promotional, but I always tell people like it's better to not forfeit your margin. That's one of the huge value uh, propositions of email is that you can get a lot of full price sales where you're paying very, very little in marketing costs. So don't forfeit the margin. But when it makes sense, go down that path and try to bring people back. At maybe a little bit of discount because you got to remember that if they're going to come back through Facebook or come back through AdWords, that margin is no longer going to the customer. It's going directly to Google or Zuckerberg. <laughs> We've talked a lot about what you should do, but what are some of the top email mistakes that people make? It's a great question. So I will throw out one example and then just because if anyone ever tells you to buy a list or offers you to buy a list, I would highly advise against that just from deliverability. But I'm not going to go too deep into that because I just don't buy lists. That's one, one big mistake. Some other mistakes that people make, I think one of the, uh, the biggest mistakes that people make is focusing like 90% of their energy or 95% of their energy on creating content, creating newsletter campaigns and sending those out while neglecting neglecting triggered emails and neglecting the power of triggered emails. One of the reasons why triggered emails can be so effective is you don't have to build them every single week like you would a newsletter. If you figure out marketing that works, it's more about, you know, one-to-one communication. If you spend an hour a day for a month 
working on triggered emails and building out campaigns that paint the life cycle and you focus on all the little places where you could be potentially losing money or people are, le- are leaving your business and you put that energy that you would put into newsletters, you're going to be very happy after that month because you'll have built something that's going to work for you over and over again and it's not going to require you to continually build out new emails. And at the same time, you know, you, you need to be sending newsletters and you should be doing that. Just don't spend all your energy focused on that and neglecting some very powerful marketing techniques. In that same vein, is there anything that's viewed as common or good advice that's actually terrible? Well, there's so much, there's so much about email that is, I think, doesn't make sense. You know, people always ask, what's the best time to send emails? And you'll get different examples, but really there's no way for you to tell that because your, your list might be totally different. When people, when people are saying like, this is the best time to send email, Really depends on your business, when your people are shopping. Let's see, other bad advice that you should not follow. People are saying, you know, deliverability is dead or email is dead. You always hear these kind of inflammatory statements. And it's not that it's dead. It's just that it's changing. And it's it's continually moving in a way where you have to continually provide value to people. And you'll be rewarded with high deliverability rates. It's just like any other platform where if you, I mean, you look at Facebook, you look at Instagram over the last year and then Facebook over the last four years, organic reach no longer exists on Facebook, right? Posting anything with hopes that organically it'll go anywhere, you're wasting your time. Instagram's moving that direction. Email, when you think about it, it's still relatively organic, All that's changing is that you still have to provide quality content for people to continually validate what you're doing by opening and clicking on your emails. And so that I think is the most important thing is always remember that it's a privilege to be in somebody's inbox. So you got to provide value. And if you realize that you can make a lot of money by hammering people with discounts over a couple of months, that's not a sound strategy and that's something that uh, will come back to haunt you over the long run. Uh, it, and and you'll be just like Facebook and Instagram. What will happen is that your organic reach will disappear because you'll no, no longer be in people's inboxes. So if people want to keep learning about this topic and learn more about you and your company, where should they go? So the, uh, the best place to go is brandgrowthexperts.com slash intensive. Every roughly two to three months, I host a small workshop, about 15 business owners, and we work together in a small group to build out all these lifecycle marketing campaigns over a really two-day intensive hands-on period. So we'll go in, we'll build them all out, we'll map out exactly what you need, and we'll set these things up for you. And it's something that I started about six months ago because I realized how it can be daunting when you're listening to the podcast and you're, you're saying, okay, well, I have all this stuff, like you mentioned earlier, like, where do I start? There's all these different things to build out. So basically I put it into one two-day event and uh, that'd be a great place to check out. Also, I, I talk on the e-commerce influence podcast just about every other week. And we do case studies about lifecycle marketing, about traffic and conversion strategies. Um, that'd be the best place to check it out. Right. We'll make sure we put the link in the show notes. Thank you so much, Austin. It's been a real pleasure.
Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. You also can put my email in there. If somebody's listening and they have any questions, they can email austin at ecommerceinfluence.com. We'll do that. Thank you. All right. Thank you. One Stop Shop is a production of Convergio. Let Convergio's all-in-one dashboard run your marketing so that you have more time to run your business. Get started for free at Conversio.com. On our next episode, learn how to use referrals to gain new clients from digital outreach consultant Kai Davis. We, I think, ignore our existing customers at great peril because we could use that existing relationship to say, can you think of two or three other customers who would be valuable or would benefit from what we're selling here and use those existing relationships to generate new relationships through relationship-based marketing or referral-based marketing. Now, we know your store is awesome, but how do you compare against other stores in your industry? Convergio is now offering a free tool, StoreGrader, in order to help you figure out just that. Learn more and sign up for free at Convergio.com. This podcast was also made in production with my agency, Come Alive Creative. Want to learn how a podcast can help your business? Visit ComeAliveCreative.com. Convergio. Sell more. Do less.